Welcome back here to Courtside, and yes, you probably did guess it. This will be a heavily Brooklyn Net-related episode, from the firing of Steve Nash, the head coach, to now the possibility of bringing back Udoka. Back to the Brooklyn bench after all the things that went on during the Celtics organization during the offseason. And then as well, we have the Kyrie Irving news, which has probably... I mean, it's hit the fan at this point, I'll probably have to say. I'll go into that, as well as Ben Simmons, his soreness and missing the past two games. How does that relate to the situation that's going on in probably the worst week in Brooklyn Nets history? And then we'll probably have to end it off on something nice. Talking about probably the best and surprising backcourt in the NBA, potentially bringing to one of the best teams in the East. So we'll talk about that a little bit more with Luka Magic as well. And then we also have to say... The Milwaukee Bucks and their 8-0 historic run. First time in franchise history going a no. So all that's coming up next here on the Courtside Podcast. This episode is brought to you by YouTube channels Highway Temptation and Captain Barbo, who make content on YouTube weekly. And I know Captain Barbo, he has a lot of great things coming on. The Ethan Winters trilogy with Resident Evil Village. He actually did an episode about that not too long ago. And then Highway Temptation, they're always cooking something new. So don't forget to follow and subscribe to those channels on YouTube as well. Follow this podcast as well on Spotify or RSS.com. As mentioned before, this one will be a heavily Brooklyn-related episode as probably the worst week I've ever seen a franchise gone through since the Celtics lost three straight in the NBA Finals recently last year and just collapsed there. But it looks like the Brooklyn Nets front office and as well as the roster is just crumbling into pieces right now. We talk about the firing of Steve Nash, the head coach, that was there for about two years in his third season can barely even start off on anything good. You know, only won two games. And then Lord and behold, Sean Marks says, Hey, I don't think this is good. Steve Nash says, yeah, I agree. And they both agree. And Steve Nash is fired uh, Tuesday of this week, November the 1st. So now that Steve Nash is gone and everyone probably remembers him, at least in the coaching career that he's had, the short tenure here in Brooklyn of going to the second round in 2021 against Milwaukee, almost making it to the Eastern Conference Finals if it wasn't for Kevin Durant, foot on the line on a potential game-winning three at the end of regulation. And then the following year, you ended up getting swept by the Boston Celtics, who ended up going to the NBA Finals last season. And now Steve Nash who somehow, someway, with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and probably one of the better lineups in the current NBA, was not able to produce anything more than an appearance in the second round of the Eastern Conference. So, with that being said, now they look for a new head coach. And somehow, within less than 24 hours, basically that same Tuesday that Steve Nash was fired during that afternoon, the talks were already talking about Ime Odoka, the Celtics head coach that is currently in suspension due to his consensual relationship with a co-worker that wasn't on par with the Celtics standards, which resulted in him getting suspended for about a year. Odoka has been in talks right now of being the next Brooklyn Nets head coach. Now, how does that process look like right now? Because Odoka is still on contract with the Boston Celtics. He didn't get fired. But... He is suspended, and the Celtics right now are trying to you know, hold on to him to say that do we give him up to one of uh, our Atlantic Division rivals in the NBA? Do we even keep him? 
because of the image he has now being tarnished, besides the fact he was a first-year head coach that took us to the NBA Finals. So there's a lot of questions that Brad Stevens in that front office in Boston has to answer now, and quickly, because Brooklyn is trying to bring him onto the bench there. Currently, Brooklyn, as of now, because they just got a win against Washington in probably the best win of their season. Again, early season, only nine games for the Brooklyn as they played so far. But we did see Kevin Durant go off. Plus, with a quick crossover, putting a man on the face. I'm not going to say the man's name because, again, I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to be remembered for being crossed up by Kevin Durant on his own home court. But right now, Brooklyn stands in the Eastern Conference at 12th place behind Miami, 3-6 and six record. Now, do they go out and get Adoka, or do they find somewhere else in the availability landscape of coaches who are not in the NBA, not on assistant coach benches? I mean, there's, a, there's at least two options I can think of. Mark Jackson, who currently is right now on the ESPN analyst for the broadcast for NBA ESPN. Or you go to the guy who was on Steve Nash's bench in 2021 and in his ear, Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni, who I have been very vocal about, should have even, I mean, he should have been regarded for the Charlotte job when they were looking for it, but then they ended up giving to Clifford, which they fired after six years, which makes no sense. But they still rehire him. They bring back Clifford for Charlotte. And Mike D'Antoni still have a job. Mike D'Antoni might be the best coach available anywhere. There's about four to five coaches that are actively on NBA benches right now, you know, with the staff and all that stuff that are probably not on the same standard, nor has the same resume close to Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni, obviously, his most recent success, besides being on the bench of the Brooklyn Nets squad in 2021, was, of course, his influence on the Houston offense, which had James Harden in 2019 get just that close, a game away from making it to the NBA Finals. But of course, they went into the Golden State Warriors series, and no one makes it out of a Golden State Warriors series in the West. If they do, it's rare. It's very rare, and it's most likely in the finals against the Eastern Conference team that somehow got there and had an efficient day for about, what is it, like two weeks the NBA Finals really occurs through that series? Either way, Mike D'Antoni has been influential in recent years with the Houston Rockets, in the past as well, being the mastermind behind that 4 Phoenix Suns team that would basically give you a basket every four seconds. And I got to remind people, a part of that team, MVP Steve Nash. MVP Steve Nash was a part of that team with Amari Stoudemire. And that was the exact same connection we saw in Brooklyn for the little bit of time he had on the bench as the assistant coach behind Steve Nash in 2021. It was a fast offense. Of course, not a lot of defense at all in 2021 for the Brooklyn Nets. Probably one of the worst teams in the East alone, the NBA, defensively in their efficiency. But, hey, bring back Mike D'Antoni. You put Kevin Durant out there. Now you got other guys that are probably going to be producing. Again, I don't know about Kyrie Irving. We'll go into that later on this episode, probably after this coaching news. But they have pieces that can be used to be a heavily offensive weapon. Kevin Durant, obviously. Ben Simmons, if you know how to utilize him right, maybe he could be something, right? I mean, Seth Curry, when he comes back onto the roster, and Joe Harris, Joe Harris always is going to be a part of the three-point conversions for Brooklyn. He's going to have a piece here in there. 
So Mike D'Antoni, again, always going to make a huge argument about him. Love him as a coach. But for some reason, the front office of Brooklyn, who is dealing with inside issues, I'll probably leave it at that, inside issues with an organization, after dealing with the whole Kevin Durant trade request in the offseason, was probably not even paying attention to the rest of the offseason as they now try to bring in Ime Odoka for the Boston Celtics, who is currently in a suspension right now for his behavior. Now, getting that out of the way, let's go into what else we saw this week in Brooklyn. We also saw Kyrie Irving, all-star guard, magician with the handles. He was on Twitter promoting a anti-Semitic movie, which I believe is also found on Amazon. So now a lot of people are going against Kyrie. A lot of people are going against Amazon as well. And as they should, as they should, because Kyrie Irving, not only does he promote this on his social media platform, but when questioned about it in the media, he's also not giving a yes or no that, oh, I'm sorry that I did this. I was wrong. I mean, it's more or less of he's trying to just look forward and keep playing basketball after putting this out there. But the only issue is, though, you can't do that in this situation at all. This is a serious serious thing that he did to promote that type of hatred against the Jewish community. And a lot of people are pissed off about it, including the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets actually just recently fined him as well as suspended him for five games due to his lack of answering any questions of a yes and no and not really being, I mean, honestly, from the interviews that we had of him, we haven't even heard anything that even made sense. I think there was even one recent one that he had before being suspended that he said, if I remember correctly, that how can I be anti-Semitic if I know where I come from? What does that mean? Like, <laughs> that, that, that's not a, that's not a, I'm sorry, that's not a anything. And I do believe as well, he did try to donate uh, about $500,000 to an organization um, that, does aid with the Jewish community, if I believe. I Unfortunately, I forgot the name. However, I do know that he was trying to donate at least $500,000. That donation was denied due to his lack of a response of an apology to the Jewish community. And now, similar to what we've seen with Kanye West, everyone's going to be dropping Kyrie Irving. Recently, just yesterday, actually, yesterday, the 4th of November, Nike actually stopped their connections with Kyrie Irving. They're no longer going to be producing uh, Irving shoes from what I'm aware of. And I can only imagine, similar to what Adidas did with Kanye West Yeezys, they will no longer be selling Kyrie, Kyrie Irving's, well, Kyrie's. That's basically the, basically the way that you really say his shoes, Kyrie's. So Kyrie Irving, now he's suspended five games. The front office is already exhausted about him. And Sean Marks, spoke to the media, said that Kyrie Irving, you know, without making the apology, needs to now go out of his way and sit down with people in the front office who are concerned. Obviously, people who are also there uh, that are part of the Jewish community in the Brooklyn Nets organization, leaders in the area, Jewish leaders specifically, and hopefully... Kyrie Irving will learn from his lesson and grow. But honestly, there's no way that you can really get past this. 
if you're Kyrie Irving. But getting past that, now we got that out of the way. Kyrie Irving, suspension for five games. Then we have Steve Nash being fired. All in the same week. And also on the same week, Ben Simmons, who has been out for the past two games due to a knee soreness, was also recently put back into the news as Kevin Durant, apparently according to some reports, and I don't know if these are just rumors, but however, these rumors are something that's going around NBA Twitter, so I have to say it, that Kevin Durant is frustrated with him, and this isn't just because of him not being on the court. It's also because of his determination to not be on the court, and as well as his lack of just trying to be, you know, I mean, how do I say it? Just try to work with the team, really. Just trying to be on the court with Brooklyn and Kevin Durant was saying, according to some reports, that he's just been frustrated with it. That's the best word I can really say with it, frustrated with it. So all in one week, the Brooklyn Nets fire their head coach of Steve Nash, have Kyrie Irving during probably the most craziest week I ever seen in the media on NBA Twitter because everything on NBA now has been surrounding the Kyrie Irving promoting an anti-Semitic movie. So Kyrie Irving's now gone for five games. And of course, that might not even be resolved later on. Of course, only the future can tell. And then now, as well, reports of Ben Simmons not being in favorable words of Kevin Durant. So the Brooklyn Nets all in a week with a 3-6 and six record early in the season, already off on a bad start. Already off on a bad start. But getting away from Brooklyn now, let's go into the team that I was mentioning before that has one of the more surprising, probably one of the best backcourts in the NBA. And that one I got to talk about is the Cleveland Cavaliers backcourt of Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. Now, Garland himself, he's averaging about 16.5 points per game, and he's had some flip-flops in the past five games. However, the duo looks fantastic. I think Donovan Mitchell is having the best season of his entire career now in a revamped, young, offensive core that Cleveland has. When we talk about not only their backcourt of Garland as well as Donovan Mitchell, but Karis LeVert, looks like 2016 Brooklyn Nets Karis LeVert, Garrett Allen as well as Mobley, down low in their front court, probably one of the most athletic, lengthy bigs in the NBA. And again, these are young guys, but highly talented. I mean, this could be at least three all-stars on the roster in Garland, Mitchell, already making all-star teams. But then you have somebody down low. I think Mobley might be getting it over Garrett Allen in the future. But either way, this is a roster that I do not want to see in the postseason if I'm an Eastern Conference team. Now, we look at the past five games from, for example, Donovan Mitchell, right? Donovan Mitchell in the past five games that he's been involved in, at least, have all been wins. We talk about the two overtime wins against Boston, one of them in TD Garden, as well as one over there in Cleveland in the land. His win against the New York Knicks, his win against Orlando, as well as his win against the Washington Wizards. Now, all those games, double digits in points. Besides the game against Orlando, he was shooting better from the field overall than the majority of his teammates, shooting more than 40% from the field for the last five games. And to give you an idea exactly his impact, let's look at the New York Knicks game, right? 38 points, 60% from the field, made was 8-13 and 13 
on the perimeter, right, from three-point. You look at his impact in the overtime game against Boston. 41 points, still shooting 60% from the field. And mind you, he wasn't the only one. I believe Karis LeVert as well was right behind him, also getting 40-something points there. Two players, and yeah, sure, I was talking about Darius Garland, but Karis LeVert can also ball as well. Two players there that are even the major guys in the sense of Karis LeVert being a part of that duo, giving you 80 points, two guys 80 points in a game against the Boston Celtics, which again, started off the year phenomenally, 3-0, and then they ran into Chicago, and then obviously run into Cleveland twice. So Donovan Mitchell, this new offense coming out of Cleveland, and this is exactly the reason why the New York Knicks will probably regret every single game this season, seeing R.J. Barrett on the court. I understand the youth of R.J. Barrett, the excitement behind the Canadian product. I understand that he's improving every single game. He looks to be one of the best Knicks on the roster besides Jalen Brunson. And then you can also make your argument about Julius Randle, but he's like 50-50 per night. And especially last season, he didn't even look like him, his usual self. And by usual self, I mean that one year he had in New York, his first year in New York. But to say that the New York Knicks had a real chance at Donovan Mitchell, I mean, that's not an outlandish take. Throughout the entire offseason, Donovan Mitchell and the New York Knicks were basically a set-in-stone fact. Like, this is going to happen. Some way, somehow, the New York Knicks are going to figure out how to bring Mitchell into New York and actually win some games in Madison Square Garden. But it never happened. Danny Ainge, greedy as he is, however, great GM for that because now the Utah Jazz basically have a super team. And everyone thought they were going to be tanking with Larkin in as well as Collins. Like, they're actually a phenomenal team now. However, Danny Ainge in the New York situation, it just never panned out because he didn't want Julius Randle. He wanted R.J. Barrett and a, like multiple of these first-round picks. And New York wasn't going to give it away, not because of the picks, not because of anything else besides R.J. Barrett being there in that situation. Because of that, and honestly, I think as recent as the reports said that New York was not going to be interested anymore because of the R.J. Barrett stuff, the Cavaliers just swung by and said, hey, check this out. We'll give you basically two of our starters, great picks for the future, and you just send them our way. That alone made the Cleveland Cavaliers into a top three team in the Eastern Conference this season. Yes, a top three team in the Eastern Conference this season. And if you look at kind of the landscape of the East going into the season, everyone's talking about, oh, the 76ers, they're going to be there. We have a full season of James Harden and Joel Embiid being together as a duo. Maxie's having a great year. And Maxie is having a great year. Don't, don't even think about you know, going against the 76ers, not saying that they're a bad team, but they're not contenders the way that people saw them, right? The Boston Celtics, oh, great team. 3-0 start. Obviously, they went to the finals for a reason. They'll be back there again. No, they are a top three team in the East, but they're not the team to be in the East. That, honestly, at the moment is Milwaukee, who's currently 8-0, and Giannis absolutely dominating everybody as usual. Drew Holiday, of course, being... You know, the defensive mindset of that team as a guard. But Cleveland right now, 7-1 in the season. And again, early as it is, October basketball, early November, not a lot of people are going to look at it and say, yeah, this might be the season. But 
the way that Cleveland is already jumping up ahead like this and winning games against, again, opponents like the Knicks, opponents like the Boston Celtics. It's teams against that they're playing from the Eastern Conference that they're winning. The Cleveland Cavaliers, if they go against series such as a series in Toronto, a series in New York, a series in Chicago, a series, and I'm probably going to say it just because, a series in Philadelphia or Brooklyn, I just might have the Cavs at this moment to win that series at a best out of seven going to the postseason. And again, I know we haven't even gone past 10 games in the NBA year, but it's just that Cleveland is showing so much of offensive, I mean, I don't even know how to say it. They just look amazing. They look great. Offensively, you can't stop them deep in games. Crucial moments, you have Donovan Mitchell. You have Karis LeVert. And the way that Cleveland ended off last year, basically stumbling out of the gates, dealing with some injuries here and there from their stars, and then also on a losing streak, going to the play-in to lose two straight, the way that they did after being the eighth seed. I just don't see that happening this year. I know it's a long NBA season. We won't really have all the answers till maybe March, maybe February. But I just can't imagine this team slowing off where they lose more than five games in a row this season. I can't imagine Cleveland losing five games in a row at all. The way that this roster is built, the way that everyone is aggressively attacking the ball, the way that everyone, as young as they are again, their conditioning looks phenomenal. I don't think there's a single guy on that roster that I have a true fear of that will fall behind besides Kevin Love due to his age. I don't have a fear that the Cleveland Cavaliers will lose more than five games in a row this season, nor will they ever drop below the fifth seed. I don't have that fear. This is a guaranteed playoff team, in my opinion. And the Knicks are probably going to be, you know, hitting themselves in the head every single game they watch. Jalen Brunson. And again, Jalen Brunson playing phenomenal. But could you imagine Brunson and Donovan Mitchell in New York? That is where I'm going to leave it at. The Cleveland Cavaliers, top three team of the East. And it's probably going to stay like that all the way through April, in my opinion. And before I leave this podcast, how about we talk a little bit about Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks? I mean, Luka, through his first eight games, is averaging 36 points a game, as well as having 8.8 average for rebounds and 8.6 for assists, almost averaging a triple-double in his first eight games so far in this NBA season, as young as it is, and already breaking in his fourth year in the NBA, mind you, fourth year in the NBA, breaking more and more records as the days go. Speaking of, he is one of three NBA players in NBA history, and this one of three does include as well Wilt Chamberlain to average more than 35 points a game through his first eight games. And as weird as it is, because Luka Doncic, as phenomenal as he's playing with behind-the-back passes, no looks, as well as doing back-and-forth dribble drives and everything in between his legs to make a quick jump shot over probably one of the most elite defenders you could probably see in the NBA, Dallas has been a little bit of on a struggle right now finishing off these games. The Dallas Mavericks is to start off the season against the Phoenix Suns in the second round rematch of last year's Western Conference playoffs. The Phoenix Suns ended up taking that 107 to 105 over Dallas. And then the next game, which will be against the Memphis Grizzlies, one of the better teams in the West right now, Dallas blowing them out 137 to 96, just to be followed by them to lose again in a close game on the road against New Orleans. The Pelicans taking a 113 to 111. 
So the way that Dallas' season has gone so far, we're talking about a win-loss, win-loss, a win against Brooklyn, a loss against OKC, Oklahoma City Thunder, by six, a win against Orlando, and then now a win against Utah, close one, 103-100 during uh, Wednesday, and then Friday's game, which was yesterday, Friday, November the 4th, a close one, 111-110 over Toronto. It's just been an absolute roller coaster. Amazing first eight games by Luka. But the Dallas Mavericks have been on a roller coaster. And I don't know if it's because of the defensive side of things. I don't know if it's because Luka's not having a lot of help. You know, maybe we probably expected more out of Spencer Dinwiddie in the offense. But they did lose out Jalen Brunson, who was one of the main producers during the playoffs besides Luka Doncic. And Christian Wood. I don't think we've really talked about Christian Wood at all. And probably for good reason. But Luka so far... Insane year, MVP caliber year. I would not be surprised, and put your bets on FanDuel if you want to, would not be surprised he wins the MVP this year. Because the way that these games look out, this might be a foreshadowing image deep into the season. Luka Doncic performing as well as he can on any given night against anybody, winning out these games or losing in close heartbreaks. That's what I'm seeing for the future of Dallas. That'll do for our show here on Courtside. I want to thank everybody for tuning in for another episode of this podcast. Trying to get more content out there. Trying to get more things out there. Of course, I'm always going to be working here where I'm at. Doing articles for other, you know, do some things for Plug Talk Sports, which is a South Florida blog. Some other things as well for the newspapers I'm working at. But I'm going to try to keep on going back and forth with Courtside. So thank you again for tuning in. I'll see you guys next week.